W233AH Monticello. Welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for being here with us this evening. We got some news for you. We will be checking in and learning about the New York Workers' Families Party. Sandy Oxford joins us live in the second half of the program, including the New York Workers' Families Party's reaction to Representative Mark Molinaro's comments in the Hill regarding Speaker McCarthy's impeachment inquiry moving forward. First up, we've got a lot of news from the Hudson Valley, and for that, every week we check in with the Times Union's Hudson Valley Bureau and its managing editor, Philip Pantuso. Philip, welcome to the program. Always good to be with you. So this week you have an article on yeshivas uh, suing uh, NYSED over the rule that they must teach in English, that they teach science, that their education be substantially equivalent to public schools. Uh, What can you tell us? So this is in response to a ruling that the Board of Regents issued last September that uh, they were going to require every private school to prove that they are teaching the same core subjects as public schools and also that they must teach in English. This was in response to some investigative reporting, primarily from the New York Times, but other, other papers followed up on it, showing pretty dramatic disparities in the quality of education that um, Orthodox students were getting in private yeshivas uh, in the city and, of course, in places like Rockland and Sullivan counties. Okay, I'm remembering that story now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Board of Regents is essentially trying to ensure that all kids are getting, you know, a quality education, even even in a a private school setting, uh, even perhaps in a highly controlled and cloistered one like a yeshiva typically is. Um, the yeshivas, of course, have reacted, um, or I should say some yeshivas have reacted negatively to this. There have been several that have welcomed these new uh, requirements because, you know, they'll raise the standard of education. But um, this week, uh, uh, a group of uh, leaders from ultra-Orthodox private schools in Rockland County said that they're going to sue the state education department over these regulations. They said that at a meeting on Sunday at Rockland Community College. Um, And this would not be, the the suit hasn't been filed yet, and this would not be the only or the first suit challenging these rules. Um, There was a separate group of yeshivas that sued the state on this issue already and won a partial victory back in March. Um, In that case, a state Supreme Court judge in Albany threw out what uh, the Board of Regents had included in in this law as like a penalty, basically saying that if the schools didn't adhere to these new regulations, the state could order them to close or require parents to withdraw their children. The judge kind of struck through that part. saying that parents could homeschool, and if they did that, they would have to file reports and a written plan to local school districts describing how the homeschool education is um, is meeting the same quality standards as the Board of Regents set out. Um, so, you know, 
we'll see how uh, we'll, we'll see what the exact language of this lawsuit is. The state, I, I should mention as well, appealed that ruling back in March, and, and that's still working its way through the appeals process. So that penalty portion of the new regulations may end up getting reinstated. We just don't know at this point. Wow, because when I first heard about this story, it, it almost seemed like like the question was, well, how come how come the state isn't on top of these schools making sure that they are uh, uh, giving the kids what they need? It seems like this has doubled back on itself uh, a couple times now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, these schools in Rockland County that had the meeting on Sunday, they're really um, kind of not holding anything back. They, they uh, have directed the schools to stop accepting public funding for school lunches, for after-school care, and for other subsidies. Instead, they said they're going to organize community kitchens to provide lunch, lunches, and they're also not going to let state inspectors into the schools. This is according to um, Rabbi Abraham Klein, who's an ultra-Orthodox leader in Orange County. Wow. All right. Well, thank, thanks for that. Um, I also, you, you, you also have another story that's about the state comptroller's report showing that commercial casinos have fallen well short of their revenue goals. Yeah, so this is a report. It actually came out last month, but um, we it kind of fell through the cracks, at least for us at the time. Um, so our land and Bellamy was reporting on it earlier this week. Um, this, this comes as the state is preparing to issue three more commercial casino licenses. But um, in, the, in the lead up to that, the state controller's office looked at the four commercial casinos that the state has already licensed just to see how their performance is going so far. And I should be clear, this is separate from, um, quote unquote, racinos, which are, you know, kind of racetracks where you can do, where you can gamble on the outcomes of the races or any of the many um, tribal tribal casinos, um, which are not really subject to uh, the state gaming commission in the same way. These four casinos are, um, uh, well, the, the primary one, I, I guess, in our region is Resorts World Catskills in Thompson, which I'm open to uh, much acclaim, I guess, in, uh, in 2018. Um, the revenues there have been sluggish, um, as with the other three casinos. Um, according to the report, the initial um, projected gross gaming revenue, which is the take after winnings are paid out, for Resorts World was, uh, this was the projection back in 2019, was just over $300 million. In um, 2019, it took in $208 million, and last year, 2022, it took in 228 So it's a, it's a good percentage short. And this is, the, the reason this matters is because um, these casinos are taxed based on gross gaming revenues. The state takes 80% of those taxes, but it gives 20% back to local governments, and that's shared between the municipality and the counties. And so, uh, you know, a lack of, uh, of meeting, like a lack of revenue here directly impacts the bottom line for local governments. Um, yeah, in the article you mentioned how, you know, for Resorts World Catskills, you know, that's in the Monticello area, 
that you know the 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 real property tax levy was uh, in seven million neighborhood you know in its first year and then after a full year it was reduced to just over five million and and then declined further down to just exactly five million when I first saw that I was wondering is that is that local is that the the locality basically saying oh you're not doing as well let's lower your property tax you're saying the tax is based on what they earn and that's why it's declining. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, the state. This is part of like ha, this is part of the the framework of laws that um, the state passed when it when it legalized gambling. Um, the gaming commission uh, will tax these casinos based on their gross gaming revenue. Um, the state controller's report has charts also for how much what the take has been uh, the, the tax take. Um, for each of these casinos, the projected take back in 2019 for Resorts World was 20.7 million. In 2019, the actual take was just over 11, and in 2022, it was 10.6. So, you know, it's actually been going down a little bit, and th- this has been the case with the three other casinos as well, which are um, Rivers Casino in Schenectady, Del Lago Resort and Casino in, in Tyre, or Tyree. I'm actually not sure to say that and Toga Downs and, and Nichols. Um, the state, you know, basically, it doesn't exactly say why this might be the case. It's not really the controller's office, um, uh, like, purview. But it does speculate that mobile sports betting has kind of undercut this. Um, and uh, in the case of Resorts World in particular, you know, they opened a kind of satellite casino in a mall in Newburgh, which yeah. isn't too far away um, from from Monticello, and I think it's 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 right off the throughway, and I think easier for more people. Yeah, it's to reach. it's not so well. I mean, cutting their own business. The, the reason the report compares 2019 to 2022 is to try to capture okay, what was the all these casinos open between 2016 and 2018? So, what was the kind of initial um, pre-COVID, uh, you know? revenue and then how is it kind of bounced back and in most cases it's flat or down um you know i would think that there that this would mean that the state probably shouldn't or should at least be careful about licensing more upstate casinos and in fact the report um notes that local gaming revenue is quote not always a sure bet and that careful financial planning is crucial to minimize risk but, you know, as I said at, at the top, they're planning to do three more licenses pretty soon. So oh my goodness. we'll see. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not really sure what the, what the yeah. solution is here. I, I, I certainly, it, you know, it, it does seem like more people are interested in, in mobile and online betting. Um, and, you know, maybe just the casino experience, you know, it, maybe it's just going to take longer to, become a kind of thing that people associate with upstate New York and the Catskills, or maybe it's kind of a relic of the past. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you said it there, but may not be a sure bet. Who would have, who would have thought it? (laughs) I I remember talking about this, you know, long before uh, the, uh, these, most of these casinos even opened, there was a lot of discussion about this and, uh, it's interesting to see, but now that they're here, as <laughs> an upstate resident, uh, I would. Uh, I think right now the question that I've got is, 
Is this downward trend going to keep going down? Or like you said, is this reflecting the new reality post-pandemic, post-opening, and can they at least plateau for the sake of the, the larger picture of the upstate economy? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's got real ramifications on um, local jobs, too, of course. But, um, we, we Our story links to a story that uh, our friends at New York Focus did earlier this week where they talked to some employees at Resorts World Casinos, um, or Resorts World Catskills, sorry, who say that um, they're they're pretty concerned about how this report might impact their future employment. And they talked to Sullivan County Treasurer Nancy Buck, who said it's a huge concern for the county. I bet. And we will be uh, talking to New York Focus about that article specifically uh, here in the not-too-distant future uh, on Radio Catskill. Now, um, in other news that you're looking at in Kingston and uh, this I hope this is a good story from what, what I'm just scanning here, uh, because again, to me, Kingston represents the clarion call that new, that the New York housing crisis hit upstate a couple of years ago. Those were the headlines of Kingston trying to deal with, with the issue of there not being enough affordable housing. And you've got a story about, um, an area that's being redeveloped into affordable housing. Uh, what are the details on that? And will it help the housing crisis that we're all kind of dealing with? Yeah, I think this is a positive story. Um, so the city announced this week that Chiz's Heart Street, which is a former group home in uptown Kingston, for poor and disabled tenants is going to be redeveloped into an affordable housing complex with up to 60 housing units. Um, the, this, the group home was put on the market back in 2021 without a plan for the more than 60 residents who lived there at the time, which caused a lot of outcry um, and, and was covered pretty widely in, in local media. Most of the residents ended up um, getting placed elsewhere. Um, by the end of that year, there was a fire, a small fire in the second floor of the complex there, which, which drove out the remaining residents. Um, I, you know, I know at least one is, is still living in a hotel that the county is paying for. So I don't think there's permanent solutions there. And I, I'm not sure yet if they're going to have the first crack uh, to move back into this place when it is, is redeveloped. But, um, the a, a developer called Home Property Group LLC purchased the property, with, which is three. It's three Victorian houses that were joined together under a special use permit to allow for for lodging. It purchased the property, and um, they reached an agreement with Family of Woodstock, which is a nonprofit provider of um, of housing and, and food and child care services. Um, and Family Woodstock is going to provide on-site support and rent out the entire premises to tenants. All of the rents are going to be um, classified as affordable rents, like which is 80% or below area median income. There's a lot of kind of questioning over whether area median income is the best way to determine affordability, particularly in a rural place like the Mid-Hudson Valley, but it's kind of the best measure we have right now. Um, and the uh, the developer is going to undertake uh, a full scale renovation, turning uh, the, the the rooms into um, kind of 
individual units. So each will have a bathroom, each will have a little kitchenette, um, and several studio units will be made adaptable for people with physical disabilities. I think they said this is planning to be done uh, by the end of next year. And at the moment, there's no no city or county tax incentives approved for this project, is what the city told me. Um, the, 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 the next step is uh, the, the, those developers are going to present their plan to the Kingston Planning Board next Monday um, to start their approval process and finalize the site plan. All right. And real quick before we go, um, I, I know that you're looking at news from the FAA that might impact Hudson Valley airports. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, this was a uh, news we, we got uh, this morning from uh, Congressman Pat Ryan's office um, informing us that the FAA, Federal Aviation uh, Administration, they have a program called the Airport Improvement Program. And it's a, it's a grant program that uh, issues grants for airport improvement, does what it says, um, kind of regularly throughout the year. And in this most recent issuance, um, three Hudson Valley airports are going to get a total of about $4 million for infrastructure improvements. The, uh, the biggest award is going to Orange County Airport in Montgomery, to $3.3 million. Um, but Sullivan County Airport uh, in Monticello is going to get about $200,000 as well to acquire uh, a rescue and firefighting safety equipment, as well as rehabilitate its taxi lane. Um, so just kind of small improvements um, by, you know, government actually helping federal government help, helping uh, local sites. So it's always good to see. All right. And it's always good to get these updates from you, even like the most breaking news that you're able to share with us that you just got uh, this morning. Philip Pantuso from Times Union, thank you so much for talking to us. Take care. To the local edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Conceptual artist Mike Ousterhout has been in the news recently, facing not just criticism of his art, but now vandalism as well. Hear my conversation with him this Saturday at 10.30 on Catskill Character, where he lays out what conceptual art is, his approach, and what it means to him. That's Mike Ousterhout and me, Donna Fellenberg, on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill. Your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the local edition news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Before we get into our next segment, I want to mention, uh, uh, you know, as you may have heard, we're expecting COVID vaccines uh, to be available to folks by the end of this week. Uh, depending where you are and what the availability is. And if you're wondering where you can find uh, the latest COVID vaccine, you just go to WJFFradio.org because we have a COVID tracker there and a vaccine locator. That's at our website, WJFFradio.org. Now, in the news in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, as you may have heard, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed the House to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, citing, quote, a culture of corruption 
that demands deeper review. The Hill published an article that same morning under the title, GOP moderates line up behind McCarthy, opening Biden impeachment inquiry. Congressman Mark Molinaro, representing New York's 19th district, was in that article and said, quote, I didn't come here to impeach anybody, but the responsibility of Congress is to provide the appropriate checks and balances. That next step is now moving forward in a broader inquiry. There clearly are questions of impropriety, and we want to be sure that we're getting answers, and I think the American people deserve that as well. End quote from Congressman Mark Molinaro. Sandy Oxford speaking on behalf of the New York Workers Families Party, Party, Working Family Party, has expressed strong disappointment in this response from Mark Molinaro and uh, responding to these comments in The Hill. And uh, uh, Sandy, who is a a New York Working Family Party state officer, um, is joining us now live on the phone to talk about all of this. Sandy, welcome back to the radio show. Thank you, Jason. Uh, In addition to all of that, I'm also a big fan of WJFF Radio and its commitment to our community and to getting the truth out. So it is very important that we pay attention right now in our congressional district here in CD19 because we continuously hear from Marcus that he is a moderate, yet he continues to lend his voice and lend his vote to the uh, to the extreme right wing of of what is derailing, um, you know, many of us believe our government in this country at the moment. It's no secret New York made a very strong, uh, hard right the last congressional cycle, and uh, we're feeling it. You know, most New Yorkers are really not used to being represented by the right like we like we are right now. So I think we're seeing a real mismatch of that. And I believe that's why Marcus is very quick to always say that he is moderate. However, he's not, you know, you know, it's as you say that you're making me think of just the other morning. I was actually listening to our colleague Brian Lair on WNYC down in New York City uh, talking about the, the congressional map and landscape and next year's congressional election, but then also talking about in context of this impeachment inquiry uh, and looming possible government shutdown, saying, quote, don't kid yourself, New Yorkers. This is happening largely because of you. Um, so that that's what you just said there reminds me of that, too, as we remember, uh, you know, that not just the, the shift of power within New York State, but within the House actually uh, in a large part was due to uh, how the congressional map changed and, and how the election went. Last time around in Congress, I would like to share with listeners too. Another, you know, that what you just said now is a part of the first part of the statement that you put out the other day. Another part of your statement is you say, "quote As a member of the Agriculture Committee, Molinaro should be focused on delivering a farm bill that protects SNAP benefits, but he's instead preoccupied with cozying up to the Speaker by lending credibility to this latest political stunt." End quote. So, is that the sort of thing that that you're you're looking for in terms of the work that you'd like to see Congress be doing, like the farm bill? Well. Well, I, I think that that is a one of the items in the menu. It is no secret, again, that New Yorkers in every zip code are facing an unprecedented uh, affordability crisis. Whether you're talking to people about their housing situation, about the percentage that they spend for housing, if they can find housing, whether it's about services and not being able to access mental health services or uh, just regular medical services, the affordability 
And the fact that we do not have leadership right now that is focused in trying to do the things like be sure that we don't see drastic cuts to SNAP as is being telegraphed by um, by the, the right wing of the GOP. But, you know, Marcus is very wise in the sense that he knows how to um, manipulate, incredibly manipulate his statements and not be direct and let us know where he is going to land. Yet he continuously lands in support of the right wing of McCarthy. And you see, you know, his his vote does matter. He wants to tell you that the relational piece is much more important and how he votes in D.C. doesn't really matter as much, that that's secondary. Actually, it's reversed because the fact that there is a willingness on his part to cut Social Security, to stall the government with holding the government hostage, to eliminate food um, that people rely on. We saw in the pandemic the food insecurity. A lot of the food insecurity in the state of New York and also in the United States has not been stabilized since the pandemic. Um, the pandemic exposed that. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and also as you're, you, you know, bringing up the, the, the potential shutdown and, and other things that might happen in, uh, Washington, you know, you, you released your statement yesterday and then late yesterday, I guess President Biden finally weighed in on uh, this impeachment inquiry news. And, uh, from the AP here, I can quote the president is saying, the best I can tell is they want to impeach me because they want to shut down the government which is uh, uh, one of those, I'd say, more fun Bidenisms. I want to ask uh, you, though, since you've released this statement, Working Family Parties released your statement yesterday, have you heard back from anyone, whether it's uh, Molinaro and his team in office or uh, other constituents or, or fellow uh, Working Families Party members? Yes, well, our party has been really organizing on the ground. I mean, we know what it is to have... Um, good communication among our network. We have a network of groups and a variety of chapters and clubs here in this region, in um, Sullivan, Orange, Ulster, Duchess. Who am I leaving out? I don't know if we go into Rockland and Putnam and Westchester, but certainly that is where our communication is. And there's a lot of folks who really rely on these types of um support safety net that cannot afford to have any type of cuts happen. Again, the affordability and the pinch, when you, we think of many of our neighbors who are on fixed incomes, if, if they're elderly, um, the golden years are not so golden for a lot of our neighbors. And yeah. also, if, you know, if you're disabled, again, fixed income people are really looking at this. And families are looking at this because families are are doing what they can do to try to get by. So, yeah, we are hearing we are hearing a lot about it. There's a lot of support and the 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 reality is is that in 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 a sense this is really um the the GOP holding the economy hostage right now with the debt ceiling and these threats to everything from SNAP to social security is creating that type of um recommitment, shall we say, galvanizing people. 
We're talking about the local impact. You're talking about the local impact of these national issues. And uh, that's appropriate because we have an election coming up, and this is an extremely local election year, lots of important local races. I was just wondering if you could spend, we got a couple minutes left here, if you could spend a couple minutes to talk about uh, how the Working Families Party is doing on the ground in our area, what your strategy is, how you're approaching uh, this election season. Sure. Well, you'll see that there's a real robust growth in Ulster County and Dutchess County. I believe that uh, Ulster County, you know, the wonderful that Jen Metzger, who has always uh, enjoyed the Working Family Party support, I believe that she's going to be able to govern in that, continue to govern in that county with, with her majority there. And there's been a tremendous amount of interest across the river from Dutchess County. Dutchess County is a real um, resourceful community that unfortunately is not putting its resources where many of the Democrats believe that it should be. There's a Democratic um, minority, uh, so the Republicans have a super majority there. And I think we're going to see a lot of support, a lot of our ground game in Dutchess County. Orange County, there's there's a presence there. And here in Sullivan County, you'll find we have a few folks that will be on our ballot line as well. All right. Well, these, and- DAs, these DA races are great, too. These mm-hmm. DA races are really, really the DA's race in Dutchess County and in Ulster County is really um, incredible when we see the type of process. I will say, relational work that these district attorney candidates are doing with the community in a way that um, is inspiring. So there's quite a few different races. And then we've got our judicial district um, here. We are in the, I guess, this is, is this the ninth or the third JD? I get confused. I think we're the, we're the, but we have these regional judicial district races that are also important, and I know we're in there well, as well. It's great. We, uh, well, we're definitely going to be letting folks know, too, uh, as well, reminding them about uh, these key races, also key dates for registration deadlines and voting deadlines here on Radio thank Catskill. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about, again, this intersection between the national politics and the local politics from the New York uh, Working Families Party, workingfamilies.org. we been talking to Sandy Oxford. Thank you so much, Sandy. Have a good night. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for the local edition. The Daily is next. This is Radio Catskill.